0: You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi everyone, and welcome to Fenestration Conversations. This is Pat Flannery. Today I'm joined by Frank Lohman. He is the Director of Building Science for the Canadian Home Builders Association. And I wanted to have Frank on because he's involved in uh, various task groups and committees, Uh, that are looking at adding an energy efficiency requirement to the existing dwelling section of the national building code. Uh, This of course is the code that uh, most of the provinces follow or uh, adopt in in its entirety and uh, if if this happens in the next code update we would for the first time in Canada have uh, an energy efficiency requirement for renovations and retrofits to existing buildings. Uh, so this would be a, a big move and obviously uh, something of, uh, of great interest to all of you out there uh, providing windows and doors as retrofits and renovations into, uh, into existing buildings. Obviously only applicable where the project requires a building code, but uh, that's a lot, a, a building permit, but that's a lot of them. Uh, Frank and I discuss uh, enforcement of, uh, of such a regulation and what that would look like. Uh, we talk about uh, what values uh, the committees might be looking at to, uh, to require uh, performance versus prescriptive compliance paths. Uh, we get into the role of uh, everyone's favorite, the energy audits, and uh, whether those might be required uh, in, order to, uh, in order to get your project uh, uh, approved as being energy efficient enough. Uh, and also uh, some of the reaction that Frank has heard from uh, uh, business owners in the construction industry. Uh, when he uh, when he talks about uh, possibly adding these energy requirements to renovation uh, 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 codes, so uh, very great uh, discussion with Frank. He's uh, exceptionally knowledgeable on all of this. Uh, should add the caveat that of course all of this is up in the air. Everything is in committee and for discussion. Frank is certainly not uh, prejudging or, or 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 previewing anything that uh, will for sure be appearing in the in the 2025 update, but. He does have some good insight into the discussions that are going on right now, and uh, certainly would encourage uh, everyone listening to get involved in the process and and get their input into the ongoing uh, uh, code development cycle. So uh, without further ado, here is Frank Lohman, Director of Building Science for the Canadian Home Builders Association. Well, I'm here with Frank Lohman from the Canadian Home Builders Association. How are you doing, Frank? Oh,
1: fine. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, just survived the storm yesterday, and uh, all systems are back in green. <laughs> we
0: are we are thankful that your uh, power is up and your internet is working. It was uh, it was it was touch and go there, but uh, it looks like they uh, they got you back online there in Ottawa. Just you're in Ottawa, right?
1: Yes, I'm in Ottawa, just on the Quebec side of Ottawa, so I'm straddling both sides, and uh, yeah, lots of damage on both sides. But um, yes, we're. Yeah. So, yeah. Most of us are back in the green today. Uh, everything's working. There's still others who are not, and obviously still assessing the damages for sure.
0: Wow. Well, that was that was some storm for sure. I I, I missed the worst of it here in London. Uh, we we heard it a bit at, the, at my cottage in King Carden, Uh but uh, it's uh, it's it's good that. Uh, that you guys have, uh, have survived at least, and you don't have a tree poking into your office there. So that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's <laughs> the upside. So, so Frank, let's, uh, let's get going just, uh, by, uh, you, uh, I guess, introducing, uh, yourself, your background and, uh, and what you do for the, uh, CHBA.
1: Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I'm the CHBA's director of building science, uh, since 2020, so two years, so pretty much exactly to this week. Uh, I represent the interest, uh, of builders, uh, you know, and, and on many codes and standards committees and I community, communicate their concerns. Uh, my major areas of um, activity actually in that function is I'm um, serving on the Canadian Electrical Code, but also on many codes and standards and guidelines for climate change. Uh, radon is a topic right now for standard. And then, of course, alterations to existing buildings. Um, and maybe just a word to CHBA. We represent about over 9,000 Member companies across Canada. Uh, so those are the interests and in, all in the residential construction industry. Before I, I I should disclose that too, because it's relevant to this topic. Before I came to a CHBA, I actually worked for over 20 years as an advisor at Codes Canada at NRC in code development. So that'll uh, that'll explain some of the knowledge I'm bringing to today's uh, podcast. And before that, uh, I worked a bit in research at NRC, but also did my degree, uh, building science degree in Germany and you know, since it's the Canadian contractor, see, like I, I am a licensed and certified carpenter in Germany, and that was the beginning of my career in construction. And so I'm, I'm doing a full loop, and I'm really happy about that too. Fantastic. Uh, Rosenheim, or, uh, or uh, where'd you go? No, this, this is just a certified carpenter, and cabin maker. It's a, it's a trade, uh, and I, I'm from uh, Western, Northwestern Germany, Westphalia,
0: actually, uh, close to Holland. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, the uh, the uh, the the German trades training is uh, is uh, fantastic and famous. It's something uh, it's something I've talked about frequently in uh, in some of my other channels. So uh, and 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 and, and here you are now guiding uh, building science for uh, CHBA coming out of the carpentry trade. So that shows you the uh, the quality of the education.
1: For sure, (laughs) it it serves me well. I can really say the dual system of learning on the job for four days a week and then going to school one day for, for three years for a carpenter and cabinet maker really served me well uh, and and then built the basis for becoming an engineer so it's really a great system yeah uh,
0: we, uh, we got to do yeah. we got to do something like that over here but I, I, that that's a topic for another day i I, <laughs> I think it's i think it's terrific um you're uh you're 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 a man that likes uh boardrooms and committees then so uh why don't you uh why don't you tell me some of the uh some sure. of the committee involvement you've got uh you've got going on as part of this. yeah
1: so so in terms of today's topic, uh, my I should say my, my, commit, my recent committee involvement in that is that I'm participating as an observer on the, the joint task for alterations to existing buildings. It's a task group that's jointly between the commission that oversees the National Code Development and the Provincial Territorial Building Safety Authorities. And so for the last two years, I've been following what they've been doing as an observer. But before that, and I should that's why i'm saying full disclosure uh, i was the lead staff developing the concept and the report uh, that is on the web uh, that describes what the what the authorities and what the commission was trying to achieve with that so so my the information i'm bringing today is from those two sides and and uh, but if we are talking about what it might look like, it's usually my guess as well, an informed guess. So I should say that as a disclaimer.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and yeah, we 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 don't want to be. We're we're not going to try to let any any cats out of any bags here. Uh, it's just a, it's just a, no. a, an observation yeah. from uh, from 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 what you're what you're seeing and what's what's going on in that in in those committees. So so uh, I guess. The, the focus here and and, and and tell us about it is um, th- what's under discussion is a uh, standard for alteration to existing buildings uh, and energy standards so so the idea being it's not just when you build a new the new home you build the new uh, new construction uh, that you're going to have to adhere to certain energy standards there will also be for renovations that require a building permit uh, or at least I assume that's how it's going to go and we'll get into that. Uh, but why don't you uh, uh, give us the broad view of, um, of of what the objective is in, in terms of developing a, a standard, a code for uh, uh, alterations to existing buildings?
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so the, the first um, point to say is I think the concept. So maybe, let me talk about maybe of the concept that the joint task group developed, and I believe it was approved by the commission in 2018. So that's where they and the report is on the web, uh, and I can probably provide it to you to share with your listeners and. Uh, so it describes the principles and, and the goals. And uh, and one of the goals was uh, that this only applies to voluntary renovations, which means renovations have happened for any other reason. Uh, and then there would be some requirements imposed in terms of, um, you know, nudging up the performance of the existing building stock, but it would not be retroactive mandatory requirements. And I think that was uh, very important to them. The goal of, what they're describing in that report, the goal of the requirements to strike a balance really between two things, and, and anyone involved in the, in the renovation uh, market will know that. It's about the improving of the existing stock, uh, meaning we want to, and that's not just energy, it's everything. It's, you know, uh, maybe safer stairs, maybe a better building envelope, more airtight, you know, bringing up the performance just a little bit and balancing that with not creating undue burden. And so many of them, uh, you know, many of renovators understand that if you're going, want to go too far, you're then uh, you causing potentially unintended consequences, but you may also force people in the underground economy to say, well, no, I'm not, I can't do all of this, then I can't do it with you, and then they do it by themselves, and it may not be safe. Or So those two sides, right, uh, increase the performance just enough to make a difference, but not create undue burden to not achieve that positive impact. So that was a goal. And I guess the goal of the entire project was, uh, all before we get even into energy, is uh, to provide consistent requirements. I mean, everyone's listening knows that their their municipality probably already has requirements for renovation permits. The problem is they're all different. And so what they were hoping for is on a national basis to develop a system, a framework, that has triggers that sort of says for this project size, for this scope, you know, here are some requirements, these are exempt and here are all the requirements. So it's really more of an application framework. That's what they were hoping uh, because what we're seeing, what our members are seeing is that some municipalities sometimes next to each other, they're going too far on one side and they're not having any requirements on the other Um, and so, uh, so that's that's basically the concept uh, uh, operating in these complexities and, and the idea was that a, part, a new part is going to be added to each of the national codes, uh, the national building code, national plumbing code, and national energy code. The fire code already requires existing buildings uh, to be safe and fire safe as annual requirements so that one was excluded. Uh, but but that's the whole concept overall. Before we even get to energy retrofits, and energy was already known in 2018 as they wanted that to be um, a focus, uh, you know, a priority. And so that's that's the the preamble, if you want.
0: Right. Exactly. So and so the um, I guess the vision is that in 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 the end, this would appear as a section in the national building code. Correct. Yeah. Right. Or or sections. I guess it would be like 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 clauses added into the various for, for the different various different areas of the of the project. Yeah.
1: So the the idea is, and that and this is all still being developed. There's no, they haven't picked a model yet. Um. So they, I think it's going to be a part in. Uh, listeners in Ontario and Quebec uh, may already know that they have their parts in the codes. So Vancouver bylaw is there. They have already a a building bylaw for renovations that is working very similar. and um, So in that part, it'll it'll be more or less like it'll tell you which requirements apply rather than saying, oh, yeah, if you have a renovation of this project, size of this project, you know, you have to do this. It's impossible because every building, every home is different. But to say for project scopes like this type, The trigger. this would trigger uh, one requirement to apply. This would trigger three requirements to apply. Go find them here. So it's more like a signpost. I think that was the vision uh, in the report of saying, let's get a framework together that has triggers based on project size and then based on what the requirements would be. And the requirements themselves would be those that are already in the code. So if we want to talk about energy now, for example, the 2020 national building code was just, Published in 936, you have the tiered codes. Those requirements may be the same or similar, and then in that new part, it may just say, if you, uh, you know, yeah, if you, if you, for example, replace your siding, you may have to now add insulation up to this level, up to this RSI level. See this table. See this value. You know, by climate zone. So that's how I would envision it, and I know that was the concept being described in 2018. That is also what the group is discussing now, but maybe, and we're getting into a little bit further now, what the committee is doing now. They have uh, engaged, I think, four standing committees, technical committees, and they're working actually on developing requirements um, for each part. The Energy Committee is there, the Housing and Small Buildings Committee is there, and uh, two others. I think uh, Heating and Plumbing is there. In one other committee envelope I think so those four committees will work together for large buildings and small buildings that framework in the in those code parts okay
0: okay so let's get to the first question that pops into uh, I think every contractor's head uh, the minute you mention a, a, a standard for, uh, for, for for building renovations uh, enforcement. Uh, how, how, is, how, is this, how is this going to be uh, uh, applied? We, we, we all know about the dodgy stuff that goes on trying to, uh, trying to avoid uh, uh, even having to get a permit. Uh, although, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, if, if you can get around to having to get a permit, well, you know, n- nothing's going to apply. Uh, I, I, and I think you touched on it a little bit. The effort here is to is to actually develop the standard that isn't so stringent that uh, that 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 it'll cause people to to try to duck out of it. What 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 have been the discussions around around enforcement and 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 trying to actually have people build to the standards and the codes that are set out rather than just get around them and find find other avenues.
1: Yeah, it, it's a it's a very interesting question because. Uh... As I said earlier, I mean, many municipalities already have, especially the larger municipalities, already have requirements, right? Mm-hmm. And they're already enforcing them. And so um, the idea is that probably not much changes in the the way they're uh, enforced. Uh, what may change now is that they um, they will have a consistent framework mm. based on which certain things might be applied. Uh, by the way, that's true for permits as well. CHP has been very active of pointing out that the permit uh, processes across the country are all different and and maybe not all based on the same principles. So there's a lot of work on that area, right? Uh, we we did a municipal benchmark study to look at best practices, and it's on on our website. And so it's th- that's just an aside, but it's a huge topic, and and we know that there's a lot of inconsistencies. But back to existing buildings, yeah. So. If the code is the base document and the adoption process will eventually lead to um, municipalities and provinces adopting those codes with that new part in it, then um, what would what, what have to be enforced is that there is, a, um, I guess, a negotiation or a determination of which projects, which size, which scope will trigger some of those requirements. And maybe some of them will be exempt. Um, and maybe some will have all new code, new construction requirements. I mean, just let's figure figure a complete reconstruction or rebuilding. Why not uh, make it like new construction? It's probably fairly simple to do. However, on on things like um, uh, just replacing, let's say you have a gas furnace, you want to replace it with the more with the like it's thirty years old. Okay, so you're replacing it. That gas furnace today, the, the worst one you can get, is already an improvement over the one that's there. So just fixing it and replacing it, it may lead to an exemption. It may also be that, for example, if it's oil, that there will be a requirement to say, well, any oil needs to be fuel-switched to any of these uh, less GHG-intensive ones. So so that's kind of the discussion. But, but the enforcement in the end is, you know, check... Uh, product specifications and, and I guess standard compliance and code compliance and so in the way it, it would be enforced I don't foresee many many different ways um, may, maybe one thing um, anyone who's involved or familiar with the concept of the Vancouver building bylaw mm-hmm. that's a nice um, concept it's, it's like a list and any renovation based on project size and project scope, they have to pick one, two, or three of these items. But they, it's free to the renovator and the owner to decide which three they take. So it, it's nicely to be integrated with the project. And then they submit that document with the permit uh, documents, and that becomes part of the checklist afterwards. So uh, that's a very simple... We we actually hope that the, the National Task Group takes a close look at that. This is a very nice system. And it goes also very well with... Uh, the tiered code prescriptive parts. If you have looked at the tier two, for example, they give energy conservation points. So those two things would make the enforcement much easier, in our view. Yeah,
0: and and I I think that's the, an important point that it, it, it's really that it's really the harmonization uh, uh, across the different regions and the areas that 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 could you know possibly make this thing fly uh, uh, better um because you know it's it's yeah it's it's just a source of frustration for uh i know a lot of people uh that um you know you, you cross an invisible line uh a road or something and it's it's one it's one standard over here and it's the next standard uh across the street and uh, and uh you know that 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 creates a that creates a lot of angst um so yeah getting it out of the, out of the municipal level uh or at least broadening you know the municipal level out so that everybody's on the same um, Uh, on the same page i think will would drive a lot of compliance and 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 help a lot and and yes permit processes uh need to be uh uh, harmonized and smoothed out as well i think there's no question everybody wants that um as long as they can be done in a way that pleases everyone which yeah yeah Yeah. so so
1: you mentioned the consistency again and maybe i'll only emphasize that so that's part of the goal, part of the reason of doing all of this is not just the national consistency of making sure that everyone operates in the same basis, but it's also um, the, let's say, risk de-risking. National record requirements are usually looked at from all kinds of sides. And, and when these uh, requirements... Uh, are finally published that means some thinking has to has been done on safety and how for example these energy requirements work with the rest of building science in terms of house as a system building as a system so that's part of also a, a, a positive aspect of having nationally consistent requirements because it been looked at from uh, a science uh, an evidence-based uh, point of view
0: is it your sense that um when we when we talk about uh, 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 harmonization, that this would be, uh, I guess, are there areas of the country that might already be in excess of what's being discussed, and 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 it wouldn't you know it, it wouldn't change anything there? Is this going to be about trying to bring maybe areas where there's a much lower standard or no standard uh, on renovations that that are that are going to have to come up to the Torontos and the Vancouver's? um um where do you where do you predict that this thing will end up being being pitched in terms of the strictness of the requirements
1: yeah so i think that's it's a a fair uh, representation that you just gave i guess national consistent or harmonized requirements are
0: always
1: the goal is always to uh Try to have a consistent standard. Now you obviously mentioned, you know, some of them. Some of the municipalities are far ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, others are not even thinking about it. If we look at code adoption, in Newfoundland, it's at the municipal level. There's no provincial uh, adoption of energy requirements. So across the country, it's quite different. One thing that is that the for the first time, this code, this national code, includes is called tiered codes, and so that's where, where you offer five levels where uh, contractors and builders can voluntarily use any of these performance levels and or prescriptive requirements. And then eventually um, municipalities or provincial authorities will determine, okay, from now on, from let's say 2024, we will require this tier two. And, and the good thing on that principle then on, on anticipatory regulation is that even though everyone's at different levels, Whoever is at level two is consistent. Whoever is at level three is consistent. So that's the big plus. And I would assume, and this is an assumption, that they, uh, whether they follow the requirements in the National Energy Code for Buildings or those in Section 936 of the Building Code for Homes and Small Buildings, that they are uh, using the tiered levels to say, you know, if if a project is big enough, let's say a reconstruction, um, and it would be determined by the trigger system that, it would have to follow all new construction requirements and that they use then the tiered codes and maybe one tier less or whatever, whatever is appropriate. So, but as let's say a province in 2025 is regulating tier three, and for existing buildings for large constructions, they say, well, at least go to tier two or tier one. You know? So that system would then allow that, regardless of where anyone is in the country, at least in those five levels and energy efficiency, they're at the same level of performance or similar. And, and that's, I think the big strength in in harmonizing requirements that way, but otherwise you're right. It's, it's quite a fragmented
0: picture. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean there, you know, if you, if you, if you picked a tier, there'd be some areas, there'd be some areas where it was a shock to the system and other areas where they go, well, we've already been building in excess of that for a long time. So it's, yeah, that's, 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 that's the one thing that, that popped into my head, but yeah, I mean, I I think certainly the way they've, they've approached it in BC and, and, and is, is, you know, we start at this lower tier and say, this is the, this is the bottom, but we're telling you that in, in next, next year, next five years, whatever, we're going to, we're going to move up the ladder. And at least you have it laid out in front of you, what, what the next standard is going to be down the road, which I think is pretty useful to a lot of people. Um, Yeah, certainly. I think that's, that's what everyone's
1: expecting, and, and it's. I would hope, and from my involvement in, in the committees, um, I'm sort of, I, I would hope that people who in areas in Vancouver or Toronto that already had these requirements that they help others, uh, to figure out how it works best. Uh, what sometimes comes into play, uh, and I'm observing that, is uh, in BC. A lot of things are happening also on the innovations to existing buildings, a lot of great things, but they have a lot of government support and a lot of support from the utilities uh, to provide best practice uh, guidelines, to provide incentives you know, for fuel switching and things like that. Now apply that to another, another jurisdiction and I'm not naming any, but just pick any jurisdiction that isn't as far and they may not have that government support and that utility support and that you know, non-governmental organizations. And maybe they don't have as many energy advisors That is one aspect that then needs to be negotiated by the province and territory that will adopt these changes and say, oh, maybe our progress to tiers one, two, three, four, five has to be a different one. And that's something that the jurisdictions and that the industry sectors in that region have to maybe negotiate with their governments and say, well, we're not ready. There aren't any energy advisors. Uh, Yeah, sure, sure we could do EnerGuide, but uh, we have one energy advisor in northern Manitoba, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. And I, by the way, I just made that up. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard similar things. In oh areas, yeah, no, lots know. of
0: lots of parts, lots of parts of the country are are are, are like that, one or none. uh yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it's uh, yeah, it 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 could be a, it could be a, so so that's a great point. Yeah, the need 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 the need the support for sure. You know, one thing, Frank, we we possibly glossed over a little bit uh, and should get to is um, just a specific. Um, like, are there specific uh, systems that are going to be addressed uh, uh, by this, and 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 others not, or is the or is the like, is, are we envisioning that um, you know it's it's going to cover really any kind of renovations you can think of that like your siding, your windows, your your heating system, your lighting, your every you know like like is it is it is it hitting all systems that might be renovated, or are there specific target areas?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it is a bit of a complex topic, right? So thanks for, for bringing me back there. I may have run a little bit too far. Uh, wow. So the the idea, I'm going to talk about two things. One is, is again, the concept of how, how the framework might apply some requirements and not others. The other one is what they have done to manage the work volume for, t- for the 2025 code. So it's two things. So the, the concept of what will I have to do uh, will depend on uh, the really the project scope and size. So if I'm just doing my siding, that's a single system, I'm only touching the building envelope, I'm not doing structural, I'm not doing plumbing, I'm not doing heating, ventilating, I'm staying in one single system if you want, then that would mean um, that it's a minor renovation and probably some requirements will apply to that system. In other words, yes, we probably have to add some insulation underneath, Probably have to do maybe flashing, weather-resistive barrier, or air yeah, tightness. You know, That comes in handy when you do building envelope, and it's a great opportunity, and it's not that intrusive at that stage. So for, for single scope, let's say single lens or single system scopes, it'd be only in that system. If you then go larger, and for, let's say, multi-unit residential buildings or even non-residential buildings where suddenly you you're dealing with uh, exits, you're dealing with hallway sizes, you're dealing you know, with uh, HVAC upgrades. So suddenly you're touching on structural plumbing. So the more systems the renovation touches, the more likely it would be that there are upgrades required for each of these systems. And I think that's okay because, again, the burden then, because you're already touching those things, is less, right? Right um what we're hoping is not going to happen is that you're replacing your siding and you have to do a whole deep energy retrofit that would yeah. be too much burden right and and so that's what we're there for uh and and again in some cases there should be reasonable exemptions for simply repairing or replacing things that are broken i mean if a building has a, an air conditioner unit a, a condenser on the roof and it breaks It should be replaced. And you likely, if it's 10 years old, the one that they're going to replace it with of the same size and capacity is already at better performance. Okay, so we should give some credit. So that's these are the concepts that we like as well. Simplicity, flexibility and so on. Uh, But let me also talk about the other thing. So they realized the committees, the technical committees just started working. I think it was a couple of months ago. They realized that if we do all of this for three codes, even if we focus on energy efficiency, but we have to do building envelope and plumbing, and it's impossible. Whoever has been once in the code committee knows that that would be impossible, right? So they, they did a project plan. They said, Well, we have about one year to develop these requirements. They said, Well, impossible. So, and so what they did is they really focused only on the most likely types of buildings and the most likely types of renovations and alterations which they will address in this code cycle. So and and for each of those more touchy subjects they go up to the province and territories. For example, heritage buildings. Will we have requirements for heritage buildings or not? It's a huge topic because you know you may destroy the heritage character if you put You know the the wrong uh, building envelope or the wrong uh, heating technology in there. So it's it's a bit of a complex subject. So they have gone back up to the authorities to say, do you want us to address this or not? Change of occupancy is another one. So so they negotiate and they discuss. uh, Well, if I have an old church and I want to make it a multi-unit residential buildings, you know, is that going to cover? Uh, Well, we don't know. It may be too owner, too much burden for the code committee to develop meaningful requirements right now so they only said you know straight buildings and uh, yes maintenance and repair potentially um renovations alterations additions of the typical part three and part nine uh buildings but nothing fancy no uh, you know farm buildings also excluded so they have a whole list of exclusions and they will which is i think good project management focus on these things so
0: yeah you can yeah doing doing it all at once would would well, you just you'd never catch up to the cold code cycle if you were trying to <laughs> trying to do all the work at the same time. So that's a, yeah, that that I, that's why. that. And I think I think people get that, you know, people need to understand that because a, a lot of people get frustrated with, um, uh, you know, wh- what's with all these exemptions and, you know, why, you know, well, if you're trying to do this thing, then why is that not in and that not in? a lot of times it does come down to just, well, we haven't gotten to it yet because there's a lot of work to be done in that specific area. And, you know, next time type thing. So it's, it's sort of, And I think they have
1: that in their mind. They know that what they're developing now will become the template for future. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, stair safety is not part of it right now of this uh, next. So that may be one that needs a little bit more. And they, they know that, the concept of triggers and and framework that they're developing now for energy efficiency as a focus will then be applied to other systems like structural plumbing upgrades and so on. So they have that in mind, I think of saying, where it's not just um, making some gains in energy efficiency, it's also developing a new concept for national codes, which is huge. I mean, they just introduced a new concept of tiered codes, anticipatory regulation, right? It's new. First time ever now for the first time ever in the national code an existing building so there's a lot of firsts and that usually needs a bit more time and consideration
0: back to your point about uh, about not not wanting to replacing your siding to trigger a, a deep retrofit for the entire house uh, which uh, I, I, you know, I think we both know would would just trigger a, a massive wave of non-enforcement or non compliance across the country, um, <laughs> uh, 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 or, or or a massive wave of uh, a very old faded siding. Um, <laughs> the um, um, it, in the in the tiered codes as they are now, there uh, there's there's a couple of compliance paths. There's prescriptive path. There's uh, performance path. Right in 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 one if you uh, if you use all the uh, uh, materials that that come up to standard, uh, you're you're good to go. Uh, In the other one, you can do some trade offs and some and some swapping out uh, as long as you do some uh, hot two thousand or whatever energy modeling, get an energy advisor, and and show that the the entire build hits certain targets um what do you think is going to uh emerge are are they gonna are they gonna have similarly two different ways to get at it on a on an existing building retrofit or uh are they gonna have to pick one or the other i'm 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 having a little difficulty even knowing how the performance path would work on a on a on a a retrofit
1: yeah so i mean in, in short i would expect that the compliance paths would be the same as they're currently in the code so uh i mean Let's talk about energy again. I mean, for anyone who hasn't looked at the 2020 energy codes for houses and small buildings, for example, there's five tiers. Tier one and two have a prescriptive path that looks at it works like a conservation energy energy conservation points. So you do this, you get this many points you could do you know you use a ninety five percent efficiency furnace you get that many points, you do an air tightness test you get another uh, points and you have to get to ten points. so that's the prescriptive way now. Uh, but there aren't any prescriptive paths for tier three, four and five yet. Hmm. So uh, if I say that I expect both to be there, for existing buildings, that means right now, there's only prescriptive, a prescriptive path available for two of the five tiers. So we're hoping that that changes. But how would the performance path work? Well, it's the same way anyone who deals with an inner guide uh, rating, for example, or HERS rating, the other rating system where the, where the whole building is being evaluated and audited, and then usually an the airtightness test is done and you look at all your improvements. And that's how the performance path works, right? The performance path has a way has a section in the code that says here's how you calculate the, the en- total energy use of a performance of that building, and you can do that with an existing building. You, you do it; it's here right now. And if the requirement is there, uh, I mean, it would work similar to an energy guide rating system. Let's say you are currently at a 76, and it, you would be required to get it to an 80. Usually, and I'm just making up these numbers, but that's the idea. You use the calculation you use, you know, the EnerGuard rating system or another rating system and you, you do those calculations and find out how much airtightness and maybe windows or ceiling or whatever you have to do or insulation adding in the attic that you have to do to get most effectively there. And then you do your modeling and you do an air test and you should be fine for renovation to existing buildings. Where that is sometimes a problem. So we're, we're CHPA were also dealing with modular uh, builders uh, in new construction. They have problems doing air tightness testing on site because they often deal with uh, remote sites, right, where they deliver their buildings. That may become an issue for renovations as well. I mean, the, the portion of single family homes, for example, in rural Canada is much more than in urban. And so, the, the, and we just talked about the energy advisors are not there, the, the modeling capacity is not there. So, so the performance path will be very easy where you have energy advisor that know how to do this, but in areas where there aren't, we will have to fall back to prescriptive guidance. And that would be good because they're usually simpler and the more flexible they are, the better we are off. And so that current system in the tiered codes, I think would work well for that. Or the one I mentioned earlier in the Vancouver bylaw, that's similar as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. The only thing I was thinking of was um, if your whole house uh, uh, the existing house is not uh, passing muster on a performance path. And then you put an addition on or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and, and now you've triggered sort of the problem you were alluding to earlier, where maybe your addition is, is wonderful. It's, 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 it's passive house. It's, 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 it's terrific. But, but because you're testing the whole house, you're, (laughs) Your, 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 your addition has now triggered something else. I, what are your thoughts on that? I can, that yeah, be, is, this
1: is, this is the perfect example to discuss the complexity of this and, and then to figure out how to write code that applies to all those projects, right? So you, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there with, uh, obviously building signs would be the first red flag I'd throw up. If you say I'm building a passive house addition, but I'm going to have my own, <laughs> masonry stone building uninsulated on the other side. I mean, all you do with that Passive House addition is to drive all the condensation onto your old windows, onto your old stones. So that is an absolute no-no. And that's what has to... These discussions have to happen. And that's the dialing in, the balancing I said earlier. I mean, what are we requiring? What are we asking for additions? I mean, yes, we do want an improvement. And maybe if someone's an addition building an addition can we at least get the air tightness, for example, on, yeah. on both? Like, look at the cost-effective measures. We know that air tightness is one of the most cost-effective ways to save energy. Or can we add a bit of insulation? But overall, the idea is always that the house as a system, that the building as a system works smoothly. And that's why building science is so important, right? And so even though we're saying we're focusing on energy, we, and I say we, that's that committee, um, and CHP has been saying that too, we need to look at the renovation market because it's it's a bigger market, right? So we need to make sure that we get the, what is it, 14 million dwellings in Canada upgraded just a tiny bit so that we make more gains than getting 270,000 new dwellings built every year. Uh, that's that's not much, right? And so the focus on renovation is right. Uh, the focus on energy is also right, but we cannot forget that there are real building signs and other safety issues that we need to raid on, for example, and another one that we need to bring into the discussion, and it's a tough discussion to be had, I, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, my my prediction is that that prescriptive path is going to be is going to be more popular on that on that renovation on the specifically on the existing building side of things, uh, at, at least at, at least initially. Um, uh, although, yeah, I mean, if you if if the whole house is Okay, then 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 you, you you could do it the other way. So the, the, anyways, something for everybody to think about, I guess, when this, uh, when this standard comes down is, uh, is, you know, look very carefully, if you're putting an addition on an old farmhouse, you're, you're going to want to, you know, be aware of what compliance path you're, you're, you're going after. Um, yeah, for this, sure. Makes sense to me. Um, so, well, I guess that goes to, I mean, I was, I was going to ask about energy uh, advisors. We've touched on it uh, uh, already. Uh, obviously, um, um, the, the, the stumbling block uh, to, uh, for instance, some of the, the, the greener homes rebates that, uh, that, that came out uh, is this availability of, of getting energy advisors simply aren't enough of them yet. Um, I, I understand from people in the business that they're trying very hard to, to, to rectify that um would so i guess i guess the answer though is is if you chose a performance path um um with this renovation standard uh that's when you would likely trigger the energy advisor and uh and 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 have to do the whole home audit um and uh, and if you did and if you did prescriptive path uh, uh potentially you could avoid that uh what's your sense there
1: yeah i think yeah you described that well i think that's exactly uh, for minor updates as i said earlier for minor upgrades with some requirements uh, uh, subject specific might apply, the list uh, may be uh, the way to go and I'm hearing fairly positive things from our Renovator members in Vancouver with the bylaw that it does offer a lot of flexibility and simplicity yeah. so I, I totally agree with you on simpler projects, it shouldn't be hard uh, because the, that opportunity the more the simpler low cost, low risk solutions the prescriptive paths can offer, the more it becomes a self-driving uh, uh, transformation rather than having that burden. And now, if there are larger or more involved projects and they want to use, I mean, it's always better practice to do an overall review and mm-hmm. audit of, of a home because, for example, if you update uh, your, if you're extremely updated your building envelope and you're not looking at your heating and air conditioning system, you're now maybe oversized, right? And that may lead to cycling issues or, and so if you're doing anything more intensive than just one element, it is probably the better way to do an energy audit and to, to see also where is the most cost-effective way to get there because we always know renovation budgets are always limited, right? And so it, yep. it is really about the, what's my simplest way, uh, most affordable way, and then um, also the safest way to get for my budget to the goal that I want. And, and hopefully the requirements in the code can do something like that. When you mentioned the grants, uh, when we talked, I talked two weeks ago to our Renovator members. We had our spring meetings and and there was a long discussion about all those grants not being coordinated, potentially not as impactful as the government is hoping. So there's a lot of harmonization to be done by all the levels of government, not just the federal government, but municipal, provincial, as they're trying to incentivize. Or utilities. In B.C., we're seeing that. You know, utilities are offering grants. Government is... So that all needs to be coordinated to, I guess, be aligned. And that would... I know that for the first development of the energy codes in in the national codes, that was a big focus to make sure that the code requirements align with the energy... In that case, the energy guide rating systems, but mm-hmm. with other uh, incentive programs, and I'm, I can only hope that the committees have that wisdom to consider aligning with government grants, incentives from utilities, and so on, to make sure that the most possible opportunity can be moved forward. But yeah, so yeah, that's
0: it's, it's a layer of like you know th- th- they're just well editorializing in a very broad sense at this at, the, at this stage you know so, sometimes with these energy things there, there does seem to be this tendency of governments to, to really jump ahead of, of of what is what is uh, actually possible and actually available out there sometimes and you know so so here they are sort of working in retrograde to try to build this 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 entirely new system of of of, of, of almost commission per- permitting and commissioning you know individual residential houses uh, uh, with, with, with energy advisors. And, and the, the problem is that's what's needed. If you're, if you're going to hit the goal, right. Those performance paths are, are much more effective in terms of the actual, you're getting a building that's better for, for, for energy efficiency. You're getting a building that's better in any respect. Um, you, 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 you want to do that performance path. Look at the whole system uh uh the, the prescriptive paths i'm sorry are going to well as 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 people always say you know the the material might be great it's only as good as the way it's installed well you're you're not on a prescriptive path you're you're often not really testing installation um you know so so it's it's kind of uh, well maybe i'm wrong about that I, I mean that that's certainly on the window side that's 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 some things that we've seen um and yeah. uh, so there's there 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 does need to be that um I, I guess what i'm saying is it, it would it would be it would be nice to see performance path modeling become the standard become the norm and for 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 all the infrastructure to be in place so that that can be carried out right
1: right i i'm not sure if i entirely agree in many areas you're right uh, if, if energy advisors are available if modeling capacity is available uh, and for larger projects especially on the renovation side probably true. The the, the building codes, though, for for codes to, let's say, drop that prescriptive way of any uh, builder in in not urban, not metropolitan Canada, right? I mean, there's so many cities, and and maybe there's one energy advisor if they're lucky, uh, but the quality of construction isn't necessarily... um, like the, the path of compliance that you're using is not indicative of what you're achieving in the end. I mean, they the prairie builders, and I'm just going to pick this up. Since the 80s, they've had, uh, even though they didn't measure, but their prescriptive measures, their prescriptive way of building houses has produced air tightness of 1.5 air changes per hour or less than one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even before they tested that, I mean, um, regularly with guide or air testing, and that's obviously because there's a lot of wind and they know how valuable air tightness is in there. But if you go to Vancouver or to Ontario, where it's milder, you wouldn't have had the same emphasis on that. So uh, I, I don't think it's the end of prescriptive requirements. And I hope it is not because, as I said earlier, in the new construction, we see that uh, it's becoming a problem if you're delivering new new buildings or if you're repairing somewhere where they're just not either accessible, where energy advisors or modeling is not Or it's not affordable. I mean, yes, I can fly an energy advisor out, uh, you know, for three days to stay until the wind is down and and measure and then house them in a motel up there if there is one. But that's that's a lot more cost than if I was downtown Toronto and I'm paying an EA or someone else to come and do an air test. Right. So so we have to be careful. The code is not an incentive program. An incentive program could easily do this. I mean, NRCan, any utility can say, you only get the money if you test. Perfect, right? That's how we gain best practice. That's what incentives programs are there for. A code makes a lawbreaker of those who cannot yep. comply. And in the end, if they cannot comply simply for the fact that there is no energy advisor, that yep. would not be fair. So I think as a national code, there should this this should not be the end of prescriptive requirements prescriptive requirements can be very effective uh, and enforced on site without commissioning so I think um yeah that needs to be waiting this great great
0: be. points for sure yeah I, I absolutely agree when it comes to when it comes to enforcement and when yeah. it comes to compliance you're 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 gonna you're gonna get you're gonna be way further ahead on a prescriptive path uh that that because it does become almost a a, a, a system of, of building inspectors being able to just check labels and say yes, no, you know, and 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 that's, that's, I know that's what the building inspectors want. Uh, and, uh, and that would that that's, that's for sure, uh, could be a better way to go. Um, you touched on it before but 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 expand a little bit for me Frank. Um, what, why is it so important to have to have these standards on the renovation side of the market and not just the new build side of the market? I mean, I mean, it, it, it's it's just such a it, it it's such a, a potentially big impact to the the climate change problem to the to the whole saving energy problem, right? That's that's really where the meat of the market is, isn't it? As far as being able to make a difference on how much energy the buildings use.
1: Yeah, that's exactly one of the. I think if you read the first page of that report uh, from the Commission on Alterations to Existing Buildings, you find that one of the goals is—and I'm paraphrasing here <laughs> loosely—it's saying bigger bang for the buck. I mean, there are no. so many existing dwelling units, 14.1 million. I just checked it out this morning mm-hmm. in Canada, and if we—if every time someone renovates and they just move the needle just a little bit, you know, affordably, safely. Uh, That is such a bigger impact across Canada than 270,000 new construction built to tiers two, three, four, and five. You know, 270,000, which is 14 million. I mean, the 14 million firmigans are not being renovated at the same time all the time, but the market in 2018 was already bigger. The renovation market in 2018 was already bigger than... Uh, the new construction market. And it's with the pandemic, we all know, you know, uh, lots of renovations with resilience, as we just talked about, a lot of building back better. So there's tons of opportunities. So I think it's high time that incentive programs and codes have a consistent system that is well dialed in, right? So yes, bigger bang for the buck on the is highly overdue. Um, and I think The other thing is, if we're doing it in codes, yes, then let's please do it nationally consistently, not each municipality. That was in 1930s before there was a building code. There were so many municipalities and every municipality had a different rule or bylaw uh, and nothing the same. And sometimes it was depending on which contractors they had available in that village to, you know, so it's not quite as bad, but the benefit of national <laughs> not consistency... Not quite as bad. <laughs> national consistency is really uh, an important point there. And, and of course, as I said earlier, I mean, for focusing on energy, you cannot forget the building and the house as a system. I mean, if you're changing the building envelope and you're changing your heating system, uh, make sure that you have condensation under control and you're not deteriorating the structure and so on. Uh, that, that, I think, and usually the national system takes care of these things by having multiple committees with broader lenses involved, right? So uh, we, we, I say usually a little tentatively here because in the last couple of years, we've seen that there's a lot of rush code development and sometimes the rush code development is not as fair to the due diligence and consideration. So that's what we do mostly is you know feedback from our innovators and builder members. What we hear about happens in the field, to code committees, uh, and so this house, as a system, essentially de-risking those requirements we're hoping for
0: at the national level. Yeah, and I think that's a good message for everybody listening: is uh, take advantage of those opportunities for public comment uh, when 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 these things come out, rather than wait for it to come out and 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 scream because the 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 problem is it's happening faster, uh, 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 the changes are, are, are bigger, they're happening faster than most of us have been used to. And uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, y- you need to sort of be on top of it and get those comments in there uh, prior, to, uh, prior to the thing becoming a fait accompli and they've moved on to the next one. So uh, on, on, that, on that topic of feedback, Frank, you know, you, you and I were just at the uh, very excellent uh, spring training camp uh, in, uh, in uh, Hockley Valley there. Uh, thanks to the Building Knowledge guys uh, and uh, McLeod, uh, and um, um, you must have talked to uh, lots of people there about this new standard. I'm sure you're talking to contractors all the time about uh, about this. Uh, w- what's going on there at the, at the committees? Um, what are they saying? What's what's the reaction?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for reminding me. That was an excellent camp. Uh, also, uh, two weeks later, we had our spring meetings, and we had. I had opportunity to give this kind of a presentation to them, uh, and so what I'm hearing, and many of your listeners may not find surprising, is that uh, they're dealing already with too many restrictions in some cases, and they're afraid that if now more. Uh, restrictions are coming with another national code on top, like, you know, national, provincial, uh, that uh, that the complexity and the uh, additional restrictions, plus the high cost of having to do something will drive more business into the underground economy. Mm. And so that's, uh, w- which is what something that CHP has been working hard on to, to make sure that, you know, things are not happening in that underground economy simply because it's, it's not helpful for a lot of reasons won't go into all of those. So that's one thing I heard loud and clear. Um, there's also a little bit of an undertone of more layers of government usually complicate things like if you have a municipal bylaw, you have provincial and then you have now a national. so they're hoping that all of this gets melded into. It. And in that sense I heard that yeah, consistency would be very good. you know if we had one system across the country and share experiences, that would be fantastic. Uh, but as I alluded to earlier, we I also heard that the incentives are not harmonized, they are not coordinated, are not integrated. <laughs> Level, levels of governments don't know what each others are incentivizing, and sometimes it's contrary. You know, uh, oh, I get a gas heat pump over here, and you get that much money. Okay, I get an electric heat pump. Yeah, okay. So you know, so all levels of government and, and utilities need to do, I think, a bit more, and, and sort of a single government, a single Canadian energy and carbon grant. Oh, yeah. GHG, not every energy measure is necessarily good for carbon reduction either, but different discussion. I didn't hear that from the contractors, from the renovators. Um, Yeah, so so I, and, and what underlaid those concerns that I heard was that they told me stories of. I think you mentioned some earlier, I'm dealing with a project in this municipality and it's completely different than right next to, you know, like, they're they're like less than a kilometer away. And here I have all these complexities and extra requirements and cost. And over here, it's very simple. Do one of these things and you're, you're good. And we're achieving the same with much more flexibility and simplicity and more affordably. And I think, so that's, this is definitely one of the, um, Oh, yeah. And of course, what I heard then is shortage of energy advisors, material supply shortage. You probably had a, a few podcasts on that in the last two years. So uh, they, they all affect the renovation market as well. So that was the, the gist of some of the conversations I had with spring camp, but also definitely in our spring meetings from our renovators, for sure. Yeah.
0: Red, red, red tape, the, uh, the bane of, uh, of contractors everywhere. And uh, so, I guess the uh, I guess the advice uh, flowing back up to the committees is, uh, if you're going to do something, make it as simple as, as, as humanly possible. And 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 yeah, if if standards can be collapsed into into uh, into something, you know, that 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 is uniform across that that actually will end up uh, uh, saving everything. But uh, you know, we we have to hope that the governments can work together to uh, to to try to make that happen for sure, right? Wow. And
1: actually, you mentioned you just reminded me. Uh, yeah. So the feedback uh, anyone listening uh, here today, or whenever they listen to this, mm-hmm. at, at their own time, which is a great thing of podcasts, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyone uh, can submit their code change, their, their um, comments on public review. So all of these national code changes will go for public review at least once in the fall, twenty twenty four. Okay. And if there are revisions to the proposals, they will go out again in twenty twenty five, in the fall. Uh, just before the codes are being published, so uh, that's an opportunity for anyone to look what's being proposed and to give true, you know, feedback of how would that affect their work. So yeah, fall twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five, put that in your calendars. Mm,
0: that's a good public service announcement. And I and I and I and I know I know from I know from experience of sitting in on these committees that uh, that uh, believe it or not, your comments are read and uh, and, yeah. and addressed uh uh they're not always followed but they're 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 definitely they're, they're definitely they're definitely seen so uh so so that's that's worthwhile for sure frank great discussion uh i uh i i i i thank you for uh bringing us up to date on what's going on with the uh the existing buildings update um i guess um what uh well we, we've heard what next steps are uh, i i guess is there anything uh what what are what stage are things at? Um, um, I guess the the whole objective here is to is to have this ready for the uh, 2025 NBC. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So the the goal is uh, for the committee, according to the timeline that they issued, to have something published in the 2025 codes. Now this year we learned that 2020 codes don't necessarily have to be published in 2020. It's just their name, right? Yeah. That's, so yeah, 2025 a,
0: codes brand names. <laughs>
1: With all these new names, I mean, you know, I think the fact that there is a detailed project plan uh, is definitely positive. So the idea is to have something in the 2025 codes. I would say traditionally they're published early in 2026, but that would be where those requirements are in. And um, development time is is tight, but I'm hoping that there are... Embracing that opportunity to balance those things, right? Uh, yeah. So and and that's why I'm participating. And as you said, sometimes uh, you know there, there's rapid action because we have to, and then the the you know the considerations, the thinking sometimes uh, is a bit shortchanged. So we're hoping that that does not happen. Although in a year of committee time, that's it's very very um, that's fast. By mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So yeah, I. I, I hope in, in all of this, and maybe that's sort of a wrap-up for my I'm, I'm hoping that they can seize the opportunity for gradual improvement that is simple, low cost, low risk, you know, and and not lose the majority of projects because that would then jeopardize getting the big impact, right? If we lose, if we go too far. Burden is too high, and people either tear down those buildings and use a lot of carbon and materials to, you know, then it backfires in other areas. So I'm hoping that we're not losing the majority of projects. And if the improvement is small enough, we can seize that opportunity. That's our hope.
0: Yeah. Frank, where can people who want to track the progress of this uh, uh, find out more? Are there uh, online resources
1: Yeah, there is an online, so the Codes Canada group uh, manages all their uh, public meetings. Oh yeah, all these task group meetings are public. So one way would be to go to Codes Canada and ask them, can you, uh, uh, you can log in, it's a teamwork platform, it's like a project management platform, but you can log in there um, in the observer space. And every time there's a public meeting of this task group, uh, you can see the agenda documents, you can follow that group so you know when something new is posted. Um, I can send you that link after you can provide to your listeners. Um, So that's definitely the way to follow the progress of the committee directly. I also know that the commission is working on their own website. It's not just the NRC webpage, but the the commission, uh, they're working on a separate webpage. And I would hope that some of these committees and some of the updates are then posted in a little bit of a more friendly way than having to deal with the content management system finding the right committee under a, a, a forest of 60 other committees yeah. so that's the way to to
0: get uh, upgrade updates yeah. great frank loman building science at chba canadian home builders association thanks so much for uh, talking to me today
1: thank you very much for inviting me it was a pleasure it was great
0: Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.